Section 45 of the Junior Classics, Volume 9, Stories of Today. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Rose and the Ring, or the history of prince giglo and prince bulbo by mr m a titmarsh eleven what gruffanuff did to giglo and betsinda gruffanuff who had seen what had happened with the king and knew that giglo must come to grief got up very early the next morning and went to devise some plans for rescuing her darling husband as the silly old thing insisted on calling him she found him walking up and down the garden thinking of a rhyme for betsinda tinder and winda were all he could find and indeed having forgotten all about the past evening except that betsinda was the most lovely of beings well dear giglo said gruff well dear gruffy says giglo only he was quite satirical i have been thinking darling what you must do in this scrape you must fly the country for a while what scrape fly the country never without her i love countess said giglo no she will accompany you dear prince she says in her most coaxing accents first we must get the jewels belonging to our royal parents and those of her and his present majesty here is the key duck they are all yours you know by right for you are the rightful king of paphagonia and your wife will be the rightful queen will she says giglo yes and having got the jewels go to glumboso's apartment where under his bed you will find sacks containing money to the amount of two hundred and seventeen trillion nine hundred and eighty seven thousand four hundred and thirty nine hundred pounds thirteen shillings six and a half pence all belonging to you for he took it out of your royal father's room on the day of his death with this we will fly we will fly says giglo yes you and your bride your affianced love your gruffy says the countess with a languishing leer you my bride says giglo you you hideous old woman oh you you wretch didn't you give me this paper promising marriage cries gruff get away you old goose i love betsinda and betsinda only in a fit of terror he ran from her as quickly as he could he 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 shrieks out gruff a promise is a promise if there are laws in paphagonia and as far as that monster that wretch that fiend that ugly little vixen as for that upstart that ingrate that beast betsinda master giglo will have no little difficulty in discovering her whereabouts he may look very long before finding her i warrant 
he little knows that miss betsinda is is what now you shall hear poor betsinda got up at five in winter's morning to bring her cruel mistress her tea and instead of finding her in a good humour found gruffy as cross as two sticks the countess boxed betsinda's ears half a dozen times whilst she was dressing but as poor little betsinda was used to this kind of treatment she did not feel any special alarm and now says she when her majesty rings her bell twice i'll trouble you miss to attend so when the queen's bell rang twice betsinda came to her majesty and made a pretty little curtsy the queen the princess and gruffanuff were all three in the room as soon as they saw her they began you wretch says the queen you little vulgar thing says the princess you beast says gruffanuff get out of my sight says the princess get out of my sight says the queen get away with you do says the princess quit the premises says gruffanuff alas and woe is me very lamentable events have occurred to betsinda that morning and all in consequence of that fatal warming-pan business of the previous night the king had offered to marry her of course her majesty the queen was jealous bobo had fallen in love with her of course angelica was furious giglo was in love with her and oh what a fury gruffy was in take off that cap petticoat gown i gave you they said all at once and began tearing the clothes off poor betsinda how dare you flirt with the king prince bobo prince giglo cried the queen the princess and countess give her the rag she wore when she came into this house and turn her out of it cries the queen mind she does not go with my shoes on which i lent her so kindly says the princess and indeed the princess's shoes were a great deal too big for betsinda come with me you filthy hussy and taking up the queen's poker the cruel gruffanuff drove betsinda into her room the countess went to the glass box in which she had kept betsinda's old cloak and shoe this ever so long and said take those rags you little beggar creature and strip off everything belonging to honest people and go about your business and she actually tore off the poor little delicate things back almost all her things and told her to be off out of the house poor betsinda huddled the cloak round her back on which were embroidered the letters prin rosal and then came a great rent as for the shoe what was she to do with one poor little toozy sandal the string was still to it so she hung it round her neck won't you give me a pair of shoes to go out in the snow mum if you please mum cried the poor child no you wicked beast says gruffanuff driving her along with the poker driving her down the cold stairs driving her through the cold hall 
flinging her out into the street so that the knocker itself shed tears to see her but a kind fairy made the snow warm for her little feet and she wrapped herself up in the ermine of her mantle and was gone and now let us think about breakfast says the greedy queen what dress shall i put on mamma the pink or the pea green says angelica which do you think the dear prince will like best mrs v sings out the king from his dressing-room let us have sausages for breakfast remember we have prince bobo staying with us and they all went to get ready nine o'clock came and they were all in the breakfast room and no prince bobo as yet the urn was hissing and humming the muffins were smoking such a heap of muffins the eggs were done there was a pot of raspberry jam and coffee and a beautiful chicken and tongue on the side table mary motimo the cook brought in the sausages oh how nice they smell where is bobo said the king john where is his royal highness john said he had a took up his royaltiness shaving water and his clothes and things and he wasn't in his room which he espoused his royalness was just stepped out stepped out before breakfast in the snow impossible says the king sticking his fork into a sausage my dear take one angelica won't you have a saveloy the princess took one being very fond of them and at this moment glumboso entered with captain hedzoff both looking very much disturbed i'm afraid your majesty cries glumboso no business before breakfast glum says the king breakfast first business next mrs v some more sugar sir i'm afraid if we wait till after breakfast it will be too late said glumboso he he he'll be hanged at half past nine don't talk about hanging and spoil my breakfast you unkind vulgar man you cries the princess john some mustard pray who is to be hanged sir it is the prince whispers glumboso to the king talk about business after breakfast i'll tell you says his majesty quite sulky we shall have a war sire depend on it says the minister his father king padella his father king who says the king king padella is not giglo's father my brother king salvio was giglo's father it's prince bobo they are hanging sire not prince giglo says the prime minister you told me to hang the prince and i took the ugly one says hedzoff i didn't of course think your majesty intended to murder your own flesh and blood the king for all reply flung the plate of sausages at hedzoff's head the princess cried out he cry cry and fell down in a fainting fit turn the cock of the urn upon her royal highness said the king 
and the boiling water gradually revived her his majesty looked at his watch compared it by the clock in the parlor and by that of the church in the square opposite then he wound it up then he looked at it again the great question is says he am i fast or am i slow if i'm slow we might as well go on with breakfast if i'm fast why there is just the possibility of saving prince bobo it is a doosed awkward mistake and upon my word heads off i have the greatest mind to have you hang too sire i did but my duty a soldier has but his orders i didn't expect after forty-seven years of faithful service that my sovereign would think of putting me to a felon's death a hundred thousand plagues upon you can't you see that while you are talking my bulbo is being hung screamed the princess by jove she's always right that girl and i'm so absent says the king looking at his watch again ha there goes the drums what a deuced awkward thing though oh papa you goose write the reprieve and let me run with it cries the princess and she got a sheet of paper and pen and ink and laid them before the king confound it where are my spectacles the monarch explained angelica go up into my bedroom look under my pillow not your mamma's there you'll see my keys bring them down to me and well well what impetuous things these girls are angelica was gone and had run up panting to the bedroom and found the keys and was back again before the king had finished a muffin now love says he you must go all the way back for my desk in which my spectacles are if you would but have heard me out be hanged to her there she is off again angelica angelica when his majesty called in his loud voice she knew she must obey and come back my dear when you go out of a room how often have i told you shut the door that's a darling that's all at last the keys of the desk and the spectacles were got and the king mended his pen and signed his name to a reprieve and angelica ran with it as swift as the wind you'd better stay my love and finish the muffins there's no use going be sure it's too late hand me over that raspberry jam please said the monarch bong bawong there goes the half hour i knew it was angelica ran and ran and ran and ran she ran up fourth street and down high street and through the market-place and down to the left and over the bridge and up the blind alley and back again and round by the castle and so along by the haberdashers on the right opposite the lamp-post and round the square she came to the execution place where she saw bulbo laying his head on the block the executioner raised his axe but at that moment the princess came panting up and cried reprieve reprieve screamed the princess reprieve 
shouted all the people. Upon the scaffold stairs she sprang with the agility of a lighter of lamps, and flinging herself in Bobo's arms, regardless of all ceremony, she cried out, O oh, my prince, my lord, my love, my Bobo, thine Angelica has been in time to save thy precious existence, sweet rosebud, to prevent thy being nipped in thy young bloom. Had aught befallen thee, Angelica too had died, and welcomed death that joined her to her Bobo. Hmm, there's no accounting for taste, said Bobo looking so very puzzled and uncomfortable that the princess in tones of tenderest strain asked the cause of his disquiet i'll tell you what it is angelica said he since i came here yesterday there has been such a row and disturbance and quarrelling and fighting and chopping of heads off and the deuce to pay that i'm inclined to go back to crim tartary but with me as thy bride, my Bulbo. Though whatever thou art is crimp tartary to me, my bold, my beautiful, my Bulbo. Well, well, I suppose we must be married, says Bulbo. Doctor, you came to read the funeral service. Read the marriage service, will you? What must be must. That will satisfy Angelica, and then... In the name of peace and quietness, do let us go back to breakfast. Bobo had carried a rose in his mouth all the time of the dismal ceremony. It was a fairy rose, and he was told by his mother that he ought never to part with it. So he had kept it between his teeth, even when he had laid his poor head upon the block hoping vaguely that some chance would turn up in his favor. As he began to speak to Angelica, he forgot about the rose, and of course it dropped out of his mouth. The romantic princess instantly stooped and seized it. Sweet rose, she exclaimed, that bloomed upon my bubble's lip. Never, never will I part from thee, and she placed it in her bosom. And you know Bobo couldn't ask her to give the rose back again. And they went to breakfast, and as they walked, it appeared to Bobo that Angelica became more exquisitely lovely every moment. He was frantic until they were married. And now, strange to say, it was Angelica who didn't care about him. He knelt down, he kissed her hand, he prayed and begged, he cried with admiration, while she, for her part, she really thought they might wait. It seemed to her he was not handsome any more. No, not at all. Quite the reverse, and not clever. No, very stupid, and not well-bred, like Giglo. No, on the contrary, dreadfully vul. What? I cannot say, for King Valoroso roared out, pooh stuff in a terrible voice we will have no more of this shilly shallying call for the archbishop and let the prince and princess be married offhand so married they were and i am sure for my part i trust they will be happy end of section forty five
Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.